Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome back. So we are continuing on with these conversations with real people about their real relationships because I just feel like we need more of the messy. We need more of the real instead of just seeing highlights everywhere. Today is more from a spiritual and <laughs> intimacy. Sorry. Today is more from a spiritual intimacy perspective. And so we're going to hear how Christina de Los Angeles integrates spiritual intimacy with her partner. And I hope that as you hear her story, you can resonate with some parts of it. Or maybe it just sparks conversations that you'd want to have with your partner about how you might do something similarly, differently, whatever it might be. As long as you're having the conversations, that's what we want. So without further ado, let's get started. Introduce who you'd like the world to know you to be. Thank you. Um, my name is Christina de Los Angeles, and I am, as of right now, I am an associate marriage and family therapist. I'm a mom of two girls, one of which you might hear in the background at some time, <laughs> and um, married to my high school sweetheart, um, live in Stockton, California. I also do coaching for women and couples. And I have been doing that since about the beginning of the year. And I'm really loving um, doing that. I did a circle, a support circle for women mm -hmm. um, who are building their careers while building their relationships, um, yeah. something near and dear to my heart and my own experience. <laughs> we create like what we need. And that was definitely one of those things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Remind me of what your background is. So you've told me before, but I forgot. Mm -hmm. um, so I am Mexican, Pakistani, and Portuguese. My biological father is a Mexican. My mom is also part Mexican, part Pakistani, part Portuguese. So our girls are um, have have a mix of things. Um, my husband is Mexican and Filipino. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cultural diversion but it's fun <laughs> mm, do you guys speak multiple languages at home don't I don't it's one of the things yeah. that is like on my list to teach myself mm -hmm. because actually uh, my grandfather on my mother's side made it a point not to um did not want to his children to learn Spanish so my mom never learned Spanish well um yeah, yeah. and that's also something that um I don't know she never she never went as far as like going to like teach herself but it's definitely mm -hmm. something that I saw as like I want I want to be able to um I don't know to, to teach myself and then for my girls to to learn the language but even on my husband's side um grandparents Tagalog mm -hmm. um I think his great-grandparents spoke it but not his grandparents so hmm. the language the language is yeah missing 
Mm-hmm. On both sides. That part's interesting. Well, so Jamaicans obviously speak English, but Patois is its own fun thing. And um, my, I don't think my parents ever outright said they don't want us to speak Patois, but I always think I really wish that speaking yeah. Patois was more of something that I got into just having grained in me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit before we got on the call Mm -hmm. about mm, myths, I guess we could say, about love, about relationships, about what that means. Um, So much of the fairy tale that we're told, you know, even when you think Mm -hmm. about Cinderella and everything that you read growing up, which if you go too deep into it, Cinderella falls apart real quick. But (laughs) the idea of you meet the Prince Charming, you fall in love, the book ends there. Um, yeah, like we put, we put a lot of, I think of our relationships, um, and like these categories and there's just like different stories around them and rules. Um, you know, my husband and I have been together since we were in high school. Um, obviously not married since then we've got married in 2015, um, Mm -hmm. had, uh, two children, uh, before, <laughs> and before you got married or engaged. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, before we got married, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's a story around that, right? There's a lot of opinions around that and what that means. Um, even the part where we were together for so long and so young, there's stories around that too of what that means. So Did let's just know? go there then. Yeah, I want it. So yeah. tell us your story as you'd like, mm-hmm. and then maybe along the way what you heard from family and friends about your own story. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I, um, actually met at church. Did you? (laughs) So yeah, yeah. It was a shout out to a youth group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it was a Baptist church. Uh, I had started going there. I had kind of grown up in the church. So did he. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of like, um, influence from grandma right you know being raised in the church and my mom did too um but at some point like we kind of stopped going and then I really was just interested in going back really for social purposes you know as well as like I did have like this wanting to be in a church and it felt weird that I wasn't for a short period of time when my mom and I had moved um and then we had come back and um and so I ended up going to this uh, youth group at the church that I had kind of like been raised in. Um, met him. We were just friends. You know, that was like at 13. Didn't actually start dating till like 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I became pregnant at 18. Mm-hmm. Had our first daughter at 19. And that was so with course, the person who's now your husband. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Together. So we, we were pregnant at 18 and that was, um, you know, obviously for family and, fa- and especially the family that was in church, mm-hmm. that was a, wouldn't say a huge shame. Okay. That's one thing I didn't get a lot of was shame. I okay. felt it because I knew, you know, what that meant. I knew what it was you know, as far as the church's eyes, like what that meant. And it was interesting because there was a lot of pressure in the beginning, like you guys should do the right thing and get married. 
Um, mm. And at that age, I, I think that a lot of other stories started coming in my mind too and his, but the story of like, I come from um, kind of like a, a line of like broken homes. Yeah. Um, so um, my parents uh, were divorced. Well, no, my parents were never married. So my mom has been like divorced several times. Got my it. grandmother has been divorced mm-hmm. and those stories now, now, as I look at those stories, they have different meaning to me, their experiences. But at that time, that kind of um, colored what I thought about, like, my story and the fact that I come from just a line of unsuccessful marriages. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the thought of going into a marriage, um, it was it just seemed a, I was like, well, it's kind of, it feels like force. Of course, it's something like we were 18. We loved each other. Mm. Now we loved each other. <laughs> like we have like, yeah, I kind of dreamt of like, oh, I'll be with this person forever. But obviously like things, we didn't want it to happen necessarily like that. So I feel like looking back, we had him and I, we had some like pretty grown up conversations because one of the things yeah. that, um, that I can see that we had early on was um, a respect for each other's like viewpoints. That's nice. Even if they were different. That's nice. And, yeah. And really like wanted to, mm, I guess, honor like what we wanted our relationship to look like. We knew at an early age, like we wanted to go to college. Like we wanted to do those things. Like we were pretty, pretty driven. And we had contemplated, like, should we get married and do the right thing? But we also had in this, in our mind, like we wanted to get married after college and, or, and we wanted to like have a wedding on the beach, which we eventually did in Monterey. Cute. Yeah. That is very cute. Yeah. And we had a lot of family that also, um, came back and said, you know what? It was like wrong for, you know, us to say you should do this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you guys should do that when you're ready. So was it a and, formal process then of you guys saying, we've decided not to get married right now, we're going to have our baby and then we're going to go to college or did you just kind of hide away from them um no because it was like no we definitely couldn't hide away from them it was like (laughs) one another thing is like we did have a lot of conversations with our parents yeah yeah. and with families so it was like an just an evolving conversation Mm. and so it was kind of I guess more formal but um it just yeah ended up happening that way and where we you know were able to express like yeah this is what we want to do and most people were supportive. And um, that's one thing that I feel like has been a huge strength in our relationship is also the support for the most part of our family, our close family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had like family members who were like, you know, supported the relationship, but also had narratives around it. Like, well, you don't know what it's like 
you know, because be you've only been, yeah, you don't know what it's like. It's going to be hard. And then also like not having enough experience with other people. So I feel like we get that mm. in our, um, and not just with my story, but that's something that I hear um, just in our society is like, well, you should be with like multiple people so that you can kind of uh, grow. Like it's almost part of the growth because, you know, to experience different things so that you can know what you really want because hmm. you chose, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) because you chose this person, but you have no idea what's out there. You have no idea. That's the story that I got a lot of. I, yeah, we hear that one. I think more Mm -hmm. and more and more now, Mm -hmm. the assumption that dating a lot, going out, experiencing new things automatically equals this sense of wisdom and self-awareness and Mm -hmm. healthy relationships. When in actuality, if you're not doing your own like inner work, Mm -hmm. or if you're not attempting to actually have a healthy relationship, what you're just doing is just continuing a pattern, regardless of if it's with yeah. one person or 50, you know, right. that, that story is a big one. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's one that like, I also, you know, at some point I was like, well, maybe that's true. Maybe I will never know. Um, mm. Because this is what I've chosen. I think that's the part where it becomes difficult or not difficult, but where some people like struggle because yeah, I will never, I will never know what it's like to be single in my twenties. Fair enough. Um, I, I won't like, I won't have my own experience of that. Um, I won't know what it's like to have, you know, like to date five different people. I won't, I won't know. Um, but I know this, like, I know this experience that I have and I know that being with this person um I have grown and we have grown up together and I have been with multiple people in this relationship because he has evolved (laughs) um he goes by the same name but he's definitely isn't the same person he was even five years ago Mm -hmm. um I'm not the same person I am you know or was five years ago so um and And I think that kind of like goes right into the whole narrative too about, you know, if you're, if you're going to be in a relationship, you should be able to, or you shouldn't have to um, work or change how you do things or yourself. Yeah. Tell us about that evolution. So you got, you got together when you guys were just entering pseudo adulthood you've been together your entire adult lives for mm-hmm. you said 16 years now mm-hmm. what has evolution looked like at what points did you realize is you need to change something about yourself how does that feel what is real love like versus just the you're happy 24 <laughs> 7 giggling mm-hmm. and all that oh yeah be 24 7 that's fun <laughs> <laughs> um is this um, not the bachelor no is that not how it goes no, no, it's, it's not um like for instance accountability mm. 
love and accountability. That accountability, when I think about like our relationship, you know, uh, as even early 20s, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't really something that was a part of our conversation. And, and I don't think, I think we, we were accountable to each other and held each other accountable in different ways. But now it's, it's a different kind of conversation. Like we're, you know, even going from, um, let's say living separately to living together, to being married and having children together. Right. Um, those conversations around like just life in general and how we're living life have changed. Like at one point we were in school, we were both in school and it was like, you know, we were, we were both busy doing our things. We were very supportive of each other, encouraged each other, you know? And then at some point, um, our, I guess our, our relationship dynamic had shifted. Now, um, he, you know, was going to be taking up a job out of, out of the city. We had never like Mm. lived, you know, away from each other. So that brought up new, um, just new conversations and new with new conversations comes like new conflict and with new conflict, new ways of like dealing with the conflict. And that showed me. And I think again, like goes back to like our relationships or our mirrors. And when there's nuance in the relationship, um, when there's new experiences, you're going to see another side of yourself. Like you're going to, you're going to learn something new about yourself Yeah, and you're either going to embrace that or you're going to act like you didn't see it (laughs) or you're going to, you're going to lean into it or you're not. And there's been plenty of times where I've chosen not to lean into it. And it's only like you said, I don't know if if you had mentioned this earlier. Yeah. 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 You'll either learn the lesson or it's just going to repeat itself. Yep. And you can, I think, at, there's been several times where I've thought, does this mean like, he's just, we're, we're not right. So it's like one of those things of like, you can learn the lesson with this person and see that like, you need to change. Like there's something that you, some work that you also have to do. Mm. Um, or you can kind of just maybe throw out the person <laughs> and continue with somebody else. And again, um, and again, and again. Yeah. Yeah. And um gosh, even evolving as parents. Hmm. Um, that's, that's a conversation where we're like seeing us grow up as parents. He's an amazing dad. He's kind of mm. like that center grounded person, unwavering, like a faith too, in in our yeah. family. And I think something beautiful that he expresses to me is just kind of he'll, he's allowed me to um, I don't know, not to, I don't want to say to question, but to explore my own spirituality. Hmm. Um, and so like, I think it wasn't a really, at first it was a little bit difficult for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was because I thought his curiosity was questioning um, but like truly challenging. like, I, yeah, like challenging, but like mm-hmm. truly he was, you know, as his wife, he was just curious of like, what is my wife interested in? Oh, yeah, yeah. But for me, I was like, let it be mine. Like, let it, you know, yours be yours. But it's, 
it's something that um, actually has brought us closer together. And it's not even that we have a difference in religion. It was just some viewpoints and um, exploring some different things. And um, yeah, so that part, like even of our spirituality, you know, you're going to grow in different ways there too. And like, Uh, how do you have that openness? A huge point because spiritual intimacy, you know, everything I do on this podcast is about intimacy, emotional, spiritual, sexual, um, intellectual, you could throw in there too. But I really do think spiritual intimacy is the least explored of all the different Mm -hmm. types of intimacy between a couple. Um, And this doesn't necessarily have to do with any specific religion someone ascribes to, but just the conversation even happening. So Mm -hmm. for you guys, and I know you have like... (laughs) You might think of it as different phases over the years um, where your spiritual lives always intertwined. Were they not at first? What does spiritual intimacy look like? Yeah. Well, I would say, um, yes, from the, from the very, well, from the beginning, right? We both were kind of on the same page as far as um, our spiritual beliefs and like mm-hmm. religion. Um you know, some things that were very foundational was even prayer. Like that wasn't something that was like odd to us to be a couple that would like go to church and pray together and pray for each other. Like it's always been like a part of our conversations, even now, like through a text message, through like just saying like, you know, we need to set time aside to pray about this because I'm needing this or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even, yeah during conflict and those things, um, we use it all the time. So it's something that's been foundational. And I think with spiritual intimacy, one of the things that we've learned is really holding space for the other person to be able to share their thoughts about it and their beliefs without and this is going to sound cliche, but without judgment, not necessarily without concern, you know, because I think it's okay for like somebody, your partner to maybe question in a concerning loving way, if they're feeling like something, if, if something might be um, maybe against the values that you guys have set. And that's why it's so important to know your values, like as a couple, yeah. know your own values and then know what, what you, your values are as a couple, like together. And that doesn't, I don't think it means that you have to have the exact same values in the exact same order, but shared sure. values. Yeah. Like shared values, like those are important. And I think that's where, you know, it's, it's okay to have that conversation of like, does this reflect that? Um, And what, you know, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for our relationship? Um, When you have like religion and spirituality as like a foundation for the relationship. Now, if somebody is evolving and um, exploring other things, you're probably as the other partner on the other side of that going to question like, what does this mean for our relationship? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, um, having that conversation, one thing I, I will say like going back to something that I just learned that Mm. has been really inspiring for me. And it's something that I want to learn a little bit more about is 
my grandparents, my great grandparents um, story. So um, my great grandfather came, he was in the Navy and he came from a village in, um, well, it wasn't Pakistan then. Um, mm. And he actually married a Catholic Portuguese woman. <laughs> so, and they had separate, he um, had his own religion. She was Catholic and yeah. he said, uh, basically to my great grandmother, like you can raise them in the church how you like. And when the kids asked like what they, I guess my grandma, um, had asked like, what is it that, um, they were to believe in? And he said, you'll believe in something. With your grandparents, do you feel like they had spiritual intimacy, even though they were of different faiths or did that end up being something where their values were also different? Um, you know, I never, this was my great grandparents. So I never met them, but from the stories that my grandmother shared, it seemed like it was a very loving relationship. And yeah, it just seemed like I was kind of blown away by it when I first heard it. Cause it was like for that to be okay on either side, Mm, was that's interesting you know was was I don't know they and I still have questions like did they have to um come up against other family members and and like being accepted were they just kind of secluded and like just raise their family without you know really having too much interaction with others um and their family you know what what was the conflicts you know what did they look like were there really any around that or was it really just like how she's explaining it? Like, it was just kind of an understanding of like, I love you. Um, this is okay. This is what you believe. This is what I believe. And mm-hmm. we're going to raise our children. Not really. It sounds like my great grandfather was pretty much like, you can raise them in the Catholic church. It's fine. Um, and yeah. And my grandmother ended up being Baptist so I don't know oh, wow, really? <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, her, yeah her parents were um or she was raised Catholic and and then grew up or raised her children in the Baptist church so yeah it's interesting and I think that's given me maybe this open-mindedness about it and at the same time um really honoring and really valuing like yeah our spiritual connection and our faith And that as a foundation, like, I love that my husband, like, is that kind of, like, center stone and that, like, he's kind of unwavering in that way. Um, Because, yeah, and and I look forward to, like, us, you know, raising our children with those values. A little harder to do sometimes today, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, the way you've talked about your relationship, both right now and when we've talked before, Mm -hmm. I think something that's special about it is you've been together 16 years. Mm -hmm. And as therapists, we know that there's a lot of events that can put a lot of pressure on relationships. Mm -hmm. And even just the time of couples together, you know, hear about the seven year itch, but it, it really is, you know, six to seven years, um, two to three years is another one. But for you to be at 16 years and speak about him with such respect and honor and affection and all of that, like, I'm sure you worked for this. 
It didn't just happen. (laughs) So what do you think are the, the things you and your husband have done consistently that have Mm -hmm. helped you to continue to enjoy your marriage for this long? I think we've, one thing we've done consistently is prioritize our relationship, even with children. Mm. And at first, I guess in my own narrative, in my, I, I talked about it as we were selfish. And I think it was because we were so young. That's kind of like what the narrative that we were also given is that we were young, we were dumb and and we had a child, um, but we were also spending a lot of our time like in school, which yeah. was, you know, you know, it was um, accepted because it was school, but then like, we were also still 18, 19. And so we would be with each other. We were still in a young relationship as well. Um, and yeah, and so we definitely even then prioritized our relationship maybe looking back at it, I would say maybe um, there was even a little bit to be completely transparent, like yeah. codependency in those uh-huh. years where maybe I, I For put sure. the relationship on such this pedestal. Uh-huh. And, um, and yeah, at some point, I brought it down back to reality of what it was. Was in that, such a good way. Was it oh so it was a good way? Was it a drastic yeah. kind of like a crash down to reality, or was it more of a I realize this, I'm consciously putting it in alignment? Mm, I think it was a little messy. I mm-hmm. think I went through like this phase of like, oh, I'm realizing like and through school and everything that we learn in relationships about relationships about codependency and <laughs> um, yeah. you know, in school as I was like, oh, I was just kind of like waking up to this like oh that's what that was a little bit of oh that's what this is and I don't it went from being dependent to being independent and I thought I don't need you you don't need me oh so it swung the other way Uh Uh uh-huh and it was like not so much like um it didn't play out so much in our I guess like make a huge impact on our dynamic we stayed together but my attitude my mindset yeah, yeah yeah the you know it was just kind of like toxic in its own way <laughs> like so swing the other way yeah and um or it swung the other way I don't even think swing's a word um We're and it. <laughs> <laughs> it swung the other way and so yeah I brought it I was able to kind of like bring it back down um and in a way that like was healthy for the relationship, you know, to honor, to look at your partner as a person and who they are, not what you want them to be. Um, and yeah, just love them for them. Not everything you just fantasize them to be. Um, I think is like real true love. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that's where the stories are so, so toxic and poisonous is because um, you watch like Disney channel or anything like that. And relationships are set up as you have to get this person who is perfect for you Mm -hmm. and, um, everything that you want them to be, and they're going to choose you. That's going to feel really good. You're going to have this beautiful relationship that hits the things 
um, in your head about what you want, where you're going to live, um, how many kids you're going to have, what job they're going to have. It's going to be a great life, but they're walking in with that too. Yeah. And I think that those, those check marks I was talking about earlier of like two to three years, six to seven years, um, those are some of our first like speed bumps where we start to realize this is a real person, like two to three years, a lot of the initial butterflies, not to say you're not still in love and all that, but Mm -hmm. those rushes of hormones wear off and you're left with a human. It's like, oh shit. A human. (laughs) (laughs) a real life human. What do I do with that? And then six to seven years, a lot of people either are starting to have children which is its own, Mm -hmm. you know, parenting journey, or are starting to realize that biological children might not be the primary option for them. And that's another um, kind of tidal wave to go through. Or, you know, depending on the age they were when they first got together, they're starting to hit this new phase of their personal development and their tastes and their likes are changing. It's just changing so often that I wish we could have been taught to expect that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're not, it's like all of those things and the stories that we're told are left out and, um, and they're important for us to like share them, I think with each other, because um, I mean, our oldest daughter definitely has seen all of our relationships, you know, <laughs> most of that of us growing up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's important because like you said, if we're only given bits and pieces of what, oh, you know, a relationship is supposed to look like, we're going to feel, we're going to put unrealistic expectations on ourselves and think there's something wrong with us. Think there's something wrong with the other person. Um, yeah. And maybe just be like, I don't, I see people that are afraid to get in relationships and given all of these false narratives that I hear all the time and fabricated stories of relationships Mm -hmm. um, that I know I myself have even been guilty of uh, that are shared. It's like, no wonder, you know, they feel like Mm. they've failed or that they feel like it's impossible and there's no one out there. And gosh, yeah. Because it's like, yeah, there, there is no one who is perfect, you know, but, um, and that it's just, you know, a real love is impossible these days. And I, so anyone listening, I encourage you and just know that it, it is possible. <laughs> um, it takes like kind of going back to what you said, I guess the things that we've consistently done is prioritizing the relationship talking to each other about our relationship versus other people. Um, mm. We've never like really been, I guess, each of us has a respect for each other and the relationship that it was kind of like always, you know, we would talk about our problems. We found out quickly that talking to our other friends yeah. about our problems was not helpful. So coming yeah. to each other, um, keeping our faith like as part of that kind of center stone in our relationship and um hmm, something else that's definitely been consistent repair (laughs) repair wow and letting it look different 
Um, Which explain that for those those folks out there who aren't therapists and mm-hmm. don't use that word on a daily basis. Yeah, what does repair true, mean? Yeah. Um, repair is when you guys have had conflict and you said something mm-hmm. wrong or done something wrong is fixing it. Is <laughs> apologizing mm. is um, when there's disconnect is reconnecting. And I think that um, we don't talk about reconnection enough. We talk about building connection, building this, building that, and also building a lot of, you know, um, moments and making it normal to reconnect, to, to repair, to apologize, to say you're wrong. Oh, to say you're wrong. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. You're not a wrong person. I was yeah. just wrong. That was really hard for me too. And continues to be something that I, I have to practice is I, I was wrong or my um, approach could have been different. I could have said that differently. Yeah. Um, Without then want- adding on to it, like the, but you should have known that I said that but because you, should, you did. Yeah. None of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Taking accountability for your actions, your thoughts, your emotions, your words, um, and not blaming your partner for how the conflict, how it all went down, I guess, is is really um, a big part of repair that we don't talk about is that ownership first. That is the most uncomfortable part. Because to be able to repair is to be able to say, I have some part of this mess a little bit. <laughs> I need to do something. And I think right now there's a lot of, you don't need to do anything. There is. Yeah. You don't need to do anything. And yeah. And, and it's just, it's not. And I think that um, repair has looked, it's definitely evolved in our relationship. Now how I repaired when I was 21, looks so <laughs> different. From now. I don't even know if I was repairing. Let's just I had a lot of those butts that you were talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'll miss, but you know what? You couldn't. And um, and acknowledging the other person when they're when they're trying, like your partner's probably trying more oh, than you give them credit for. God, yeah, yeah. Mm, so. That I mean, all of that was little, little goodness. Please write that down if you're listening. If you are following people on social media who don't advocate for taking accountability, you probably need to reconsider following that relationship content. Because right now there's so much out there that's like, um, only do what serves you or X, Y, Z, or it's, it's, and it's nuanced because what we don't want to say is that if there's trauma or abuse, like stay in that, but assuming that your partner, you can trust they're trying, they care for me. Um, then I love what you just said there. Would you be open to giving the folks an example of what repair looks like when you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you messed up, you mm-hmm. did something that either hurt him directly or indirectly, and you are aware of it now? Like, how do you approach that? Mm. Mm. Okay. So actually, this is a, a one that 
took me some time to actually go back and repair. Because mm. I felt in the moment like I had every right. <laughs> yep. And I think that initially you got to you gotta sit with yourself with that. If you're having that, I have every right. That's probably a red flag for you to sit with it a little longer to see what your rights really are. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is good advice. <laughs> like if you're feeling good. really strong about it, <laughs> give yourself a little bit of time to come back down. Um, and this was actually, this was actually around spirituality and, Mm. um, I had now the church that we attend, the, um, Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty, pretty, um, I wouldn't say black and white, but there's pretty, hmm, not obvious, bold boundaries around. Yeah what is holy and what is not what is acceptable in the church and what is not now one of the things that i had been exploring more of were different traditions and in my exploration of it i was like this is fine i don't need to share like it wasn't something i was feeling like i was intentionally hiding from him sure but i'm you know i'm diving into um taoism because I mm. practice Qigong. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm diving into um, some of it can be, I guess would seem like new age, but it's like pretty ancient traditions, but they're not Christian. They're not Christian. They're not biblical. Um, and I was starting to dive into those. What that looks like is we both do a lot of reading, a lot of reading. Um, and it's just something like we both have loved and we can sit across from each other and read and share books and whatever. Um, and he had come across like one of the books that I had out and he was like, what, what is this? And I could see it was like, almost like a concerning, like, what is this? Like I was talking to you about like, mm-hmm. it's okay for your partner to like, curiosity. be concerned yeah, curiosity, because like when that's your foundation, why wouldn't they be concerned? Sure. That's your foundation. And so he was kind of like, okay, like what, what, what are, what are we doing here? And I right away was like, whoa, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? What are we doing here? Like, and became really, 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 really defensive. And I think that was really looking back and like looking at that conversation and what the meaning that I had made it was very similar to the meaning he had made it. He was mm. trying to protect the relationship. And so was I, because I was like, wait, don't reject me. Yeah. This is fine. Like, leave it alone. And I am entitled to like exploring my own. Yeah. And I wasn't being intentional about hiding it. But was I being intentional about being intimate with him about Ooh. it? No. Girl, say that one more time for the people. <laughs> yeah, I was not being intentional about being spiritually intimate with him. And I mm. thought that was just fine. And it wasn't. And it was concerning to him because I wasn't being intimate. I wasn't showing everything. Yeah. And um, that can feel really, really scary. Like I've been on the other side of that where I felt like, 
oh, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me. And I thought we were there. I thought we could share these things. So I had to come back and it, was, it took me about a day and I came back and I apologized. And I just said to him, I was like, I realized that although I felt in the moment, like I wasn't hiding from you and that I wasn't doing something that was harmful to our relationship. I realized that it hurt you. Um, and I could have been more open and honest and I, I will do that. Like I will, like, I will continue to <laughs> be open and honest with you. Um, because really at the end of the day, my relationship with him and that covenant that we have is going yeah. to be like more important than a book, sure. something that like, you know, like, or, or, um, an interest that I have, like he's my interest for he's a person that I'm interested in for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's something that I've committed to. And I can still do that and be committed to my own personal yes. like, and spiritual growth. Like I can still do that. And I think in my head, I was maybe really thinking that I couldn't, mm -hmm. like I was the one who was thinking like I couldn't, therefore I wasn't thinking it was important to share it because maybe I was really scared to do that. Um, Oh, yeah. oh, I love that. If for those of you who have heard me talk about the five languages of apology before, um, it's, it's by the same person who did the five love languages. Um, mm -hmm. What I just heard you say there, you use. It's have you seen it? Yeah, it's great. Chapman. Yeah, mm, yeah. Okay. It's the quizzes online, but um, you used accepting responsibility and um, making restitution, which is essentially here's what I'll do next mm -hmm. instead to connect with him there um and then maybe for people listening they don't relate to the spiritual example but it would be the same thing if you were looking at uh going back to school in other states mm -hmm. but you weren't telling him about it mm -hmm. or um if you were looking into anything that really touches on those core values that the couple shares in the relationship mm -hmm. that we might not be doing to hurt our partner or to hide anything, but is it being intimate the way we're going about it? Is mm -hmm. the question. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I like that example of looking at moving somewhere. Or would you say like different colleges out of state or something? Yeah, because that could be that could be just as hurtful. And I think that's the thing too is like to just because maybe um, we might feel like, well, if they did that, I wouldn't be so bothered by it. Mm, my you know, goodness. Is, yes. is understanding that A, they're not you. And also that it hurt your partner. That's and what it's matters. like it hurts them. That's what matters is it hurt them. Um, you don't have to necessarily agree with it or to say like, oh, it would hurt me too. Um, but to know that, yeah, that it, it created a disconnect and just trying to like better understand them. And I think that that's a huge part of repair. And that's what helped us to repair in that moment, helped me to repair with him in that moment. Um, Cause really he didn't do any, I can say like that entire time, like he didn't, 
yell at you know like there was mm-hmm. not even like a yelling there wasn't there was really nothing that he did I needed to repair and um and sorry I kind of lost my train of thought with that one um it hurt your partner and so oh, that yeah. should be the focus not so much whether or not you were right or wrong mm-hmm. or right whether or not if it would have hurt you yourself you know another example of that is like the friends having a friend of the opposite gender Mm-hmm. that conversation mm-hmm. or you know yeah. your preferred gender and so mm-hmm. when people have one person might say well I don't really care if you were to be texting xyz person that's fine you're allowed to have that and so I don't see what the problem is if your right. partner doesn't feel the same way it's not about being right it's how do I repair this disconnect right yeah yeah exactly it's a disconnect and like really, really um, looking at what do you value <laughs> and yeah. is it being right or is it being connected with your partner? <laughs> That's, I, I, yeah, I think it was John Gottman. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just um, thinking that. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're like it was it was one of the quotes or something that maybe I read in one of his books. Him and Julie's was um, actually it was a statistic, and I was like, "Wow!" I'm pretty it sure it's between sixty and seventy percent is of um, conflicts or that are not yeah um, fixable or repairable. You won't come to an agreement on it. Yeah, an agreement. That's what it is. And I was kind of like. Oh, wow. And just having, like, that was part of our conversations around relationships. Mm-hmm. How much would that change people's oh, absolutely. Know, expectation of them? Because, I mean, I think that for a long time, I was like, well, one of us is going to be right. One of us is going <laughs> to be right. And if we don't come to an agreement or fix this or, or figure it out, then mm. we aren't doing something right. Our communication's off or we're just not, like, you know, yeah. mature enough. And that's not necessarily true. So yeah. No. I, that's- if people could, yeah. If you go into conflict thinking, I'm not trying to agree with you necessarily, or for you to agree with me, but we're coming to a place of intimacy and understanding. Like what does it look like for us to consider the other person's perspective and values and continue the conversation that way mm-hmm. versus like, I know I'm right and I just want to help save you from your wrongness. So (laughs) um, I'm on a mission to change your mind about things um, and that it's okay for you and your partner to have disagreements about stuff for the entirety of your relationship. Mm -hmm. I think more important is do you still have shared values that you Mm -hmm. can come back to? Um, I'm thinking this on the spot. So if you disagree with anything I say, please let me know. But do you have shared values? And then on the things you do disagree with, is there compassion happening in those conversations? Mm-hmm. Or are you both just talking to be heard? Right. Right. This is good. I feel like we we explored a lot of really good stuff. Yes. So whoever's listening, you might need to listen to this more than once and think about how it applies to your relationship. But shameless plug, you want to talk a little bit about 
what type of coaching you do and how people can access that information? Yeah, you can find me at Christina underscore DLA on Instagram. And I'm really mainly and only, only, or only there. Um, I also have a blog. So the links are in my bio. I have a blog and then I also have a, um, a coaching practice for individuals as well as couples. Um, for building together. So couples that are doing just that, where they're building um, their own careers and then also building their relationship. Um, and so, yeah, you can find all of those things in the link in my bio and um, also have some podcast episodes coming out probably next month. Um, yeah. So I don't know when this will be dropping, but this will be um, August actually. 2021. Yeah. Okay. August 2021. <laughs> what a great month. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the conversation. This is really good. Mm. Yeah, we're gonna have to do this again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but like that's kind of like always um, the I don't know the energy that I walk away with after talking with you is like good, and we're gonna have to do it again. <laughs> I'm glad. Fun times. If you were able to relate to any part of her story, I would really like to hear from you. I mean, we both would. So you can definitely reach out on Instagram at my intimacy therapist and let me know you listen to this episode and you have XYZ thoughts and we could chat about it a little bit. But if you'd like to have the real conversation, you need to come over to Patreon. Yes. I'm on Patreon now. I'm going to put the link in the show notes as well. But if you join the community, if you love what you're hearing, you support the podcast, then we'll be able to go a little bit deeper into stuff and have an exchange back and forth. And you can even suggest content that you would like to see more of, or you can suggest a type of episode that you would like to hear. And I will do what I can to make that happen for you. So as always, remember who you are. You should know it by now, right? Ah, I'll remind you one more time. You are fully seen. You are fully known. And you are fully loved. We'll talk soon.